0: What does it mean to heal what does it look like to practice unconditional loving kindness and how does this affect humanity as a whole an effort to answer these questions I've created a space where I share inspiring interviews that have changed my perspective and have deepened my empathy for the experiences of others with the hopes of initiating collective healing I'm your host Gianna and it is with love and in light that I invite you to heal the collective what's up you guys i am so excited to finally start this podcast i've been talking about it forever i feel like for so long i just struggled with branding myself because i was always experienced what i felt like was just such rapid growth in all these different directions and i could never really identify with any one thing or idea so essentially like that became the brand just growth and asking myself, what does that entail and what does that look like? I think that healing requires so much self-acceptance and just embracing all the different parts of us and not trying to run from them. I think the only way to heal those pieces of us is with self-acceptance. And then with self-acceptance comes the acceptance of others. I think with healing, you develop such a deep sense of empathy and compassion for other people. And once I started learning about healing, I couldn't help but to become super passionate and in turn want to share everything I had learned with everyone around me. I felt like I could help so many people. So I had to think of a way to balance out my passion with acceptance of others and where they are in their journey. I think it's human nature to experience such a beautiful discovery and want to share it with the world I see this so much with religion from my personal experience where people kind of you know find Jesus if you will and then there's this passion and excitement to want to share that naturally with everyone around you because you want them to have that same experience but it's a slippery slope you know to becoming a zealot or being too forceful with with people around you, which can definitely be deterring. So I started this podcast because I really wanted everyone to see what healing really looks like. Healing is such a beautiful thing, but it can also be so messy and so ugly at times. And I feel like we're so good at showing the world what we're good at and all of our accomplishments, you know, our highlight reel and although we're trying to be encouraging it can sometimes be so off-putting to someone that hasn't quite healed yet so i see this with a lot of coaches that i follow or a lot of like inspirational speakers like someone that isn't healed can look at them and the place where they're at where they're healed in their journey and it seems like you know their life is just so amazing now it can feel so unattainable to someone that is just getting into healing, or that is just getting into spirituality. So, I see this too. I, I don't know. People post like doing hundred push-ups a day challenges and stuff. That's like a, a big one. And when I see that, I'm like, I cannot do a hundred push-ups. Like that feels so overwhelming to me. I can do maybe three fucking push-ups, and after my three push-ups, I just go immediately to the freezer. And eat ice cream straight out of the container. So that that does that does not work for me. And I wish we saw more of what the process of healing is, or the process of like achieving goals and getting to 100 push-ups, for example. You know, like you you don't start there. You have to start with that first step. I think there's such an attachment sometimes to these like numbers. Or these very specific goals and timelines and deadlines and it can create such unrealistic standards for people especially those that are just starting out with whatever the task may be so I wanted to give some insight into what it looks like when you break things down and when you're starting from the very beginning when you're starting from nothing so the idea is to have different stories of different people on the podcast and just kind of have them tell their stories and what their healing process and what their journey looked like, even though they're in a place now where you would look at them and think their life is great and they've, they've healed, they're super spiritual, whatever. I want to talk about like how they got there, You know, talk about their ups and downs, their highs and lows, and hopefully this will just show people that everyone's healing process looks extremely different. Those baby steps are, are so different for everyone. Those timelines are so different for everyone. We're always trying to fit into this mold that was created by whoever, parents, society, etc. We've been conditioned to not be ourselves from a very young age by our parents, by, you know, again, society, peers, and we learn this behavior and then we sort of just perpetuate it by subconsciously creating the same standards for everyone around us and then pass that on to future generations. And I think when we do that just really we are really allowing our happiness to lie in the hands of others and what we think their expectations are. We become afraid to express our authentic selves, our needs, wants, desires until you reach a point where you're just so tired that you finally say enough is enough you take the leap and you take the risk of losing that love and validation from everyone around you and that what you think is happiness because you realize that everyone around us shouldn't have that kind of control more often than not i think in my experience i've been pleasantly surprised when i finally do express myself and i finally do show my authentic self because in reality our fears are just stories that we've created in our minds to keep us safe safe from what we think might happen a negative reaction and obviously that comes from conditioning and traumas that have happened in the past a big one is attachment styles and just things that we anticipate in order for our body to kind of prepare for what we think is going to happen but at the end of the day there is no love like the love you can give yourself So let this be an invitation to be your authentic self and to fully accept yourself and embrace all of the parts that you may be ashamed of or feel guilty about so that the healing process can begin. Thank you so much for tuning in to Heal the Collective. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can help me out by grabbing your nearest device and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show grow. If you take a screenshot of your review and email it to me at tohealthecollective at gmail.com, I'll send you two of my favorite journal prompts. Feel free to also share this podcast with a friend that you think may find this useful. I will be launching episodes once a week, so make sure you follow me on Instagram at to collective, so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and check out some of our other content. I would love to hear your feedback and thoughts on the show as well as any topics you would like for me to cover on solo episodes. If you go to calendly.com slash collective, you can book a time with me and we can hop on a call. I would love to connect and get to know you directly and I look forward to hearing from you. Sending lots of love and until next time. So before we get into this episode, I just wanted to tell you guys a little bit more about Janice and how we met. We actually met through Matt Kama's program. He was one of the first coaches that I worked with and Janice was there assisting. Her and I didn't get to interact a ton. But I did end up following her on social media and she was just one of the most intuitive people that I had ever come across. I didn't get to know her too much throughout the program, but I just remember there was something about her. I knew I needed to get to know her more. I just knew that I needed to interview her and find out exactly what her story was. I don't wanna share too much because she goes into quite a bit of detail about her experience, her spirituality, her intuition, everything but she's great I had an incredible time working with her she was super supportive I got to watch her coach other people live in the program and it was just amazing so I'm super excited for you guys to hear this interview and for her to share her story because it's just absolutely incredible and it's so inspiring I'm gonna go ahead and share her Instagram and YouTube channel links down below so you guys can check out more from Janice and I really hope you guys enjoy
1: Hi. How are you? I am. I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Good. I am great. Are you excited? I am. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited.
0: I love it. Okay, (laughs) great. So just kind of tell me a little bit about
1: yourself, Janice. A little bit about me. So my background, I started out doing computer graphics and web design, application design, that kind of stuff, right? whole career, 21 years of doing that. And then I went through this really kind of horrific time of having three spinal surgeries. And during that time, I gained like over 100 pounds. I was going through uh, physical and mental pain, emotional pain. I didn't know what was going on. I, I lost my web design business. I lost my three-family home. I lost my mother's home. I ended up having to get an apartment and then go through really rigorous therapy. During the time, I ended up getting addicted to prescription medications for all of the pain and this kind of thing. So I had to work through that, but I also realized that I had food addiction. I had beaten alcohol and like drug addiction like 10 years prior than that so it was like all of these things coming back up again and I went to a chronic pain um, specialist and they said to me we can put you on a medication which was like prescribed heroin or you can take this chronic pain management program and it would basically teach you meditation and how to cope with your pain and learn how to pace yourself so that you can regain your life again because it was like going from bedridden back into trying to work and and all this stuff so it was like a huge transition and um, scared as f i decided to do the the program and it was on and off i met with a therapist individually. And then we were doing a group therapy. And there was people of all walks of life that were going through similar things. And we had different diagnoses as well. So that was very eye opening, but we're all dealing with chronic pain. And so that's when I really got into my my spiritual journey, my conscious spiritual journey. And I learned uh, meditation. And that was like three years ago, going on four years ago. And since then, I've just dived really heavy into knowing who I am. Uh-huh. And with that, my spiritual gifts came back online. I started re-remembering things of who I was when I was a child and, and doing a lot of uh, past life regression stuff. So just really getting really deep into just who I am so that I can come every day with the best part of me and do it fearlessly and and from a place of love too. So that's, been a huge thing with me and getting into energy healing reading the cards but really just i'm a, a psychic medium so i just i channel when i i just want to channel love to help people support people so yeah
0: wow that's <laughs> okay. i had no yeah. idea
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah, I've been
0: following you for, I think it's been about a year now, and I see that you do a lot of, like, card readings Mm -hmm. and and a lot of the psychic kind of stuff, but I never knew what the backstory was. What happened, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And there was a part I I forgot to mention there, like... After getting through the program and getting off of the medication, they told me it's gonna be hard at first. First you're gonna be in more pain and then it'll get easier. So it was like a year transition of that. And once I got through that, I started increasing my time at work, getting more money and things. And that's when I found Matt because I was struggling with binge eating because coming off of anything they're addicted to, then you start to go to something else that's less harmful. So you Mm -hmm. think, right? Which kind of was. And then I had the Bali retreat. So that's when a lot of things opened up for me too. Because I learned breath work, which is amazing. And I do breath work every day since then. And that was in 2018. So that was a huge thing. And that's how I met you too, because I I was a support coach with math. Yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah.
0: So do you mind if I ask what happened with your back? Like, how did you end up hurting your back?
1: So I was uh, physically abused when I was um, a child, right? And I actually broke part of my back when I was younger. And I I didn't remember it completely. So things started coming back a lot. After when my mom passed away, a lot of things started coming back. And it was like I was dreaming but I was awake so I started remembering these incidents that had happened and they said because of that my disc degenerated since I was three, like I started that process super early. And so it was just very rapid. So what happened was my low back, the disc had completely degenerated. So it was bone, nerve bone. And I was in excruciating pain. Like there was times when I couldn't walk, I would lose feeling in my legs, that kind of thing. And so I ended up getting the surgery. And during that time of recovery, I ended up getting more discs that were slipping because of the degeneration. And one of the discs, End up pushing on the nerve root to my brain. Okay, so for like two months, I was in a coma like state. I couldn't speak. I had a speech dysplasia where you try, it's like you're stuttering to get the words out and you can't speak completely. And I had chronic migra- migraine for like two years. Okay, just didn't go away. But at that time, I started losing feeling like everywhere. So I was just like bedridden for two months. That happened. So I got my second surgery. Mm hmm. And everything was doing well. And almost like six months later or so, because I, I went back into doing everything. I went back to doing my fundraising. I was working full time raising my daughter on my own. Like I went back into full Denise mode, which was not the best. So when that happened, like everything just came back and I started losing the feeling in my hands and in my arms and getting lots of pain in my neck. And when I lost the feeling in my arms and I parked in my mother's driveway and I couldn't lift my arms up. I couldn't lift my arms. All I could do is just keep my foot on the brake and I I couldn't do anything. I couldn't call anyone because at that time I didn't have a car that had the call thing or anything like that. So I had to wait for my brother to come out and he like got me out the car and all that stuff. So that was my third surgery that I had. Yeah, because my whole thing like back then I just wanted to fix. I was Mm -hmm. like, No, I need my life back because um, by that time I had my second master's, I wanted to redo my business, I had my three family, which I was doing everything for it. And then my job was I was a manager. And it was just a lot I was training people. I was managing people I was everything I was just so much and while still taking my daughter to cheerleading after mm-hmm. all this stuff so it was just a lot and my body just needed a break and I wasn't listening and I wouldn't say if I had to do it over again I would have the surgeries again but I do know I would think twice because there are a lot of people that end up just reducing their life so that way they can maintain and not have the surgeries but at that time I was still on my ego very heavily And I was just like, no, I have to do this. I'm, I want to go and get my PhD. Like I had this whole plan. I'm also North Node Virgo, which means like I perfectionist and Mm -hmm. I always plan and analyze everything. So like, and that's kind of my job too, is to analyze people and to give a solution. That's, that's what I do. But now I do it in a different way. Right. (laughs) now you found a sort of less taxing way to do it mm-hmm. yeah instead of giving all of my energy out and that's the other thing too i didn't realize that i was an empath like i didn't know what that word was i didn't realize i knew what empathy was but I didn't realize that I was absorbing the energy of everybody I was around. And I was in so many groups of people that it was ridiculous. So that was also taking a lot from me because I was just absorbing everyone. Like not only was I doing all these jobs and being a manager, being a trainer, being a supervisor, but I also, people would come and talk to me and I would just listen and I would like be a therapist at my job and then doing all these other things on top of it. And it was just a lot. And it was that same person in my family as well. Like everybody came came to me, I took custody of my brother when my mom passed away. And so that was a lot too. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. How old your brother?
1: Now he's 25. Yeah. Okay.
0: And then how old yeah. was he when you ended up having to take custody of him? He
1: was 16.
0: Okay. Okay. Did you I my you daughter. daughter you? Okay. Yeah.
1: She was two at the time.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah,
1: I know it was. And that was a lot too, because her father was not in our lives. He was recovering from drug addiction and all this other stuff and just trying to get his life together. And Mm -hmm. so I was really alone. My father was in jail. (laughs) Like he, it was, it was ridiculous. Like a week before my mom passed, my father got picked up. And so it was like, I got both of my parents kind of taken away from me at the same time which is funny because they're both a part of my, my history too. They're both my abusers as well. So, you know what I mean? So it was like, Mm -hmm. so, so weird. Yeah. I didn't talk to my dad for like eight years, eight years, eight years. I didn't speak to him. I wouldn't write back to him. I didn't speak to him. Yeah. I was very upset. So you can imagine how that was taxing on me, on my Mm -hmm. body, having all of that unforgiveness just riddled. Within my spine, basically, is what I feel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Did you ever feel, too, like, just even though it seems like it was sort of your choice to kind of cut ties with your dad and not respond, did you ever feel a sense of, like, abandonment or even betrayal, maybe, that he wasn't there for you in the way that you felt like he should have? Oh, my
1: God, yeah yeah my whole life, my whole life because I was it was like my mom kept having him come back in our lives. he was like that one who was always in that jail type of thing, mm-hmm. and when it was great, it was great, but then he'd get the pressure of being a father and a husband, and he'd go back to doing drugs and then that and create, he was doing illegal things and then there you go he's back in jail, mm-hmm. so I always felt abandoned and betrayed by him that yeah, but with that said, I ended up reconnecting with him. And we talked a lot about things, some things we still haven't talked about because there are things that I remembered, but he still hasn't because he was doing a lot of drugs back when I was younger as well. And, but we've reconciled and now he's in, he's back in my life. We talk like every other day. I send him pictures. He, he sends money to my daughter. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm working to get a house because I want some place for you. And I have two brothers that, a stepbrother, that I want you guys to have, so he's trying to get himself together but at the same time I've learned non-attachment that I can love and then allow people to to kind of go through their own awakening on their own and at their own pace. That was very hard for me because I was such a mom and always wanting people to get better but also understanding that I was coming from ego because I wanted it in my time. Hmm. Hmm. And so I really had to learn a huge thing with relationships and boundaries, and and what non attachment really is. And that non attachment isn't just for me, but it's for the other person as well. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. kind of
0: release really some of the expectations. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's I also learned a lot that about unconditional love. I feel like my mm-hmm. whole journey is about was about unconditional love because there's so many times when I had to forgive people that hurt me yeah like forgive people that hurt me and that rejected me that abandoned me that betrayed me that put me in harm's way and but really understanding being empathetic going into their own shoes and doing the healing work from their perspective so that mm-hmm. I could get the eagle eye right so I could come from the higher perspective and not allow it to hold me down but to help yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So who who initiated this reconciliation between you and your dad and how was that for you?
1: Well, it really he was always reaching out. He never stopped. It didn't matter I wouldn't take his calls, but he would reach out through other people, he would write letters because at the time I ended up leaving my home and then living in my mom's home and then trying to take care of that while I was going through all these surgeries which just didn't work, didn't work, and that's all right. But I ended up understanding that I needed to get past this I, I needed to get past this and it was kind of like something like I was just making peace with everything in my life I I'd stopped drinking I was stopped doing different types of drugs I was doing um, to cope and I really came I went to therapy and that was the other thing like during this time not only did I go to behavioral therapy but I was seeing a, a psychiatrist as well so I was going in and off of medication but I ended up doing a lot of journaling. And that just got me to a place to where, to find my own strength and to be like, you know what, I I can't keep running from this. I have to see this and forgive this because it's tearing me apart. It's really tearing me apart. And at the end of the day, like I want my father to be in my life because I understand and I see not having a parent in my life, what it's already done to me and not by choice because my mom died. Like I had no choice. And there's other people that came in my life that were kind of like father or mother figures for me. But it was almost like, I almost felt like I was being very selfish. Like how dare you deny yourself a relationship with your father when there are people out there that could never even have this option. So it was kind of looking at myself like, I feel like you're being a brat right now. I feel like you're being privileged. Like you should understand that it's a gift that he wants to fix this himself. Like this is a gift. So go ahead and take that and and I did. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a great point that you that you mentioned denying yourself of that. Like I mm-hmm. feel like so many times when we're in these situations where we are not allowing access to ourselves from someone else. It's almost like this false sense of control like I'm keeping this yes. person out of my life and almost punishing them in a sense, but really you don't realize you're punishing yourself. Yeah. And you're you're not allowing yourself the privilege of of having this relationship and and I think that's kind of the whole point of the podcast is to that yeah. unconditional love and unconditional acceptance and allowing people to be wherever they are in their journey. You know, yeah. and just fully accept that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fully fully accept that and be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then it just if you can practice forgiveness, like now that Mm -hmm. you've done that, you you have a relationship with your father and you're not attached to a specific outcome or you're not attached to certain expectations. And I think that is, it's it's so Mm -hmm. difficult to get to that point, but it's so freeing and liberating once you do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It it definitely is difficult because I'm stubborn. I'm very stubborn, Mm -hmm. but definitely liberating. And it's so funny you mentioned that. I think I just did a, a reading and it was Leo. And at the end of the reading, I said, if I could describe this reading, the one word I would use is liberation, liberation. And I remember my first affirmation, besides I want to be a millionaire, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like everyone's first, like I'm a millionaire, okay. A million dollars. Right, when I, when I learned it and I was like, no, what do you really want? And it mm-hmm. was, I'm free. I am free. Mm -hmm. And so everything is lined up to help me to be that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love to
0: see, you know, other people experience that forgiveness so we can all see that it's possible and you can see what it feels like. Yeah. So I actually kind of want to go back to before your surgery. And because I think it's super interesting that Mm -hmm. your doctor that sort of gave you the option to either do the, prescribed heroin or the medication <laughs> yeah.
1: <forms>. yeah. Right. <laughs> so
0: usually you don't hear that, right? It's usually just like here's a medication or like or some sort of rehab, but so that's very interesting. And then before that, were you spiritual at all? Did you practice like what made you decide to go the spiritual route?
1: So I was raised Baptist. There was a point in time, maybe when I was about um, seven or so, where we ended up going to church every Sunday. And I went to, I went to Sunday school. So it was in church, like four to five hours every Sunday. And then we did church activities too when they were doing dinners or parties or whatever. We were just, it was Mm -hmm. our, our second home. And so I had already had like kind of God in my life. But at that point, I kind of separated from him. I really did a lot when my mom passed because I didn't understand how he could take her. And so I was really mad at him for a long time. And I was like, forget religion. I stopped going to church. I was like, no, I wouldn't even listen to gospel. I was like, done. I was like, done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I ended up when I went to do behavioral therapy right and then and then the psychiatrist like in both of those things i almost felt like i was talking to <clears throat> like a minister or something because that's pretty much what you do when when you're like super religious like in church church and you have a problem you go and you talk to the pastor or the minister or mm-hmm. whatever you might call or it confession in. or can, yeah yeah so i kind of felt like that so i so i was starting to see how religion and and like practical therapy kind of melded together a little bit and i i felt like god was giving me a chance at that moment I felt like Mm. God showed himself to me and he showed himself so clearly. Like, if you just trust and have faith, I can help you through this. And, it was a kind of the second time that that happened because the first time was when my chiropractor, when I told him that my disc was, it was almost gone at that time, he was like, don't have the surgery. But then my disc burst. But he was like, don't, I can get you through this. Don't have the surgery. And that was my first surgery. And I felt like if I would have listened to him, it would have been an easier time. I mean, it still would have been hard. And I probably would have had to still reduce my time at work and go through all the financial stuff and all that. But it would have been different what I'm saying like recovering from major surgery is ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. So I felt like, all right, here's God coming back again. And I didn't listen the first time, but this time he's telling me, cause I know I had uh, a partner that was a heroin addict. He tried to hide it from me and he mm-hmm. did for like two years. That's so that's hilarious. Wow. All right, <laughs> Yeah. But that's what will happen when you're on prescription drugs, mm-hmm. right? You can't see things for what they really are because you're blurred, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm, I know, so funny. So I was like, I'm not going to go that route because I know what that life can be like. And I, I don't want to do that. I There's still so many things that I want to give. There's so many things I want to create. And I really felt... More of a calling and saying, like you know what, I can, I can get through this. And at some point, I know I can help somebody get through it. And my daughter was coming in my mind too, like, I can't, I can't quit on her. And right. that's what I felt like if just taking a prescription was quitting because I also seen people do that too, where they just go on disability and they're just taking their prescribed medication and their life just stops. They're just stuck in that moment forever. It's kind of like when you hit pause on a video. Mm-hmm. And you're just there. And they're just reliving that moment every single day. And I'm like, that's not what I want for myself. And so I chose the meditation route, not realizing that that was going to put me in a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that at the time. But now I know that that was that was God realigning me back to my path.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, mm-hmm. I kind of had a similar experience where I grew up super – like my mom was super religious – Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I want nothing to do with that. Yes. God no. took away my mom. Ma- so my mom, she didn't pass away, but she's a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. And they believe that you should not be associating with people that are not Jehovah's Witnesses, right. um, including your kids. Yeah. And so same idea where I'm like, they took my mom from me mm-hmm. and I'm 16. I don't understand the way the mind works that I do yeah. now and forgiveness yeah. and that she was her own person even, and just going through her own shit. And so it definitely pushed me away from God. And yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like I use the term God, like I say God, but mm-hmm. if I'm deep in, 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 my higher self, it's, it's just source, it's creator. But mm-hmm. I like to use the terms interchangeably because yes. I believe that all is one.
0: Right. <laughs> I actually really love that you said that because I just kind of had a conversation with someone and we were talking about a friend of mine and they had a shirt that said like God is some God is great or whatever and mm-hmm. she was asking me about it. She's like why is that person wearing that shirt? Like are they super religious? But asking for some background and I'm like no. Um that person and I both grew up Jehovah's Witness and we are now kind of on the same page as how you just described
1: yeah. your view
0: on God or creator or whatever it is that you believe in and same with like you were kind of relating it to religion and therapy. I think all of these terms and these ideas are interchangeable and the story seemed to be so consistent across the board that I feel like personally I've gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, I can I can learn about all of these theories and respect them all and use these terms interchangeably. And I think that opens up another door to a, a different level of empathy and understanding for other people, for their beliefs, including people like my mom.
1: Definitely, definitely. And that's one of my ex-partners. His mom was Jehovah Witness. Mm-hmm. And she was, she was beautiful. And we actually were going to do Bible study together, but we ended up not because my thing is – We all really are one. And and once you start learning about different religions, you do see how the stories not only overlap, but how they can sit right on top of each other and be the same story. Just the names change, or maybe some of the practices change. And I feel like in honoring that is honoring yourself because I believe in past lives. And I believe that in past lives, not only were you a different gender or a different race, but you also had a different religion and, and practice. So in one past life, you may have been a Buddhist, monk and then in another you may have been a catholic or in another you may have been a witch or identified as a witch and i and i feel like that's what i bring to the table when i do my instagram and stuff because a lot of times when i'll do blessings or prayers or different things i'll say ra i'll say Tao, i'll say buddha i'll say god i'll say allah i'll say abba because all of these names mean that one creator so and to honor everyone and we're one unity yes yes To
0: honor everyone. I think it's just, we're just speaking different languages. And I think we can get so consumed by the ego. Yes. And we feel like we have to specifically identify with one certain religion Mm -hmm. or culture. And we just fall into this trap of this is my religion. And then from that comes so much shame because you're these expectations of if I am such and such religion, then I have to live this certain way. And you just
1: kind of lose yourself. You lose yourself, like where are your beliefs actually coming from? Right other people's expectations Mm yeah and that's Mm -hmm. where like codependency I feel is created where Mm -hmm. you're looking outside of yourself for validation and acceptance that's also where depression is created Mm -hmm. because once you stop meeting you know the expectations of others and you stop getting the acceptance and validation from that religious group or from that partner then all of a sudden you don't know who you are so I feel like religion should be taught in a way to where you can understand history and understand practices and understand and patterns and beliefs, but I don't necessarily believe that you should practice one way of, of living. I think you should be open to all because that's where growth and expansion come in. One well, the things that you gravitate towards, yeah, you do more of that, but don't close yourself off from learning how to do something a different way. Yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely. I think it's similar to like when you start to travel the world for the first time and you start mm-hmm. to see all these different cultures and ways yeah. of life and you're just like, oh my God, like it isn't just Chicago or wherever you're from, you know, so I think that's great. I I totally agree. And I know that you have a daughter. So I'm curious, like with my son, he actually went to Catholic school for a year. I'm like, my my dad's family is Catholic, but they're not Mm -hmm. super dedicated or super religious or anything. But it was interesting. I'm like, I'm going to send him and see what he likes, because I want him to see different religions and learn different things, especially with me growing up. only being Jehovah's Witness. And that was like the only thing that was okay. So I'm curious, are you kind of the same way with your daughter? Like how do you introduce religion to her?
1: Yeah. So this is funny because my daughter went to Catholic school for a year as well. (laughs) Yeah. And, but it was more of, I just wanted her to get the structure and there's, there's a respect I feel when you focus on one religion, especially Catholic religion, that I just, I wanted her to be able to to have a certain respect for dt's and and for and just for religion but also at the same time my reason for doing that is they, they were a smaller school, and they had yoga. Yes. <laughs> they taught think it's yoga, and they taught them a different language in kindergarten. So that's why I was like, okay, let's do this. And, and knowing that, okay, it was Catholic, and she would be taught some of the Catholic religion, this and that, and I was okay with it. But what I wasn't okay with is that there was um, racism mm-hmm. in, in the Catholic school. Yeah. So, my daughter, shocker, (laughs) I know, at five years old, had to deal with being called a candy bar and like different. Yeah, yeah, it was very. What's a
0: candy bar?
1: What? Yeah. They were learning different ways to express themselves, and there was twins. They were they were Caucasian, and I don't know why they were just picking on her. And they're like, "That's why you're a candy bar," just because like a candy bar is like dark colored and this and not. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, I the same thing, and I'm like, "What is going on? Like, are you serious? Like, dealing with this?" And then it was like, "You have to wear a diamond necklace to come to my birthday party," and I was like, "Oh my god, no!" Okay, that's enough of this. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> got what you need. Yeah, it was a great school, but not not the social part of it, the, the cultural yeah. part, which I understand that I can't protect her from that mm-hmm. and she needs to learn that. So I ended up putting her in just public school and I felt like, you know what, if you're going to have to deal with this stuff, I'd rather you deal with it where you can be free and express yourself the way you want to. She can wear what she wants. She can do her hair however she wants. But she can just be more expressive because now it's more about me having her learn who she is. And then all of these things about God and and angels and, and things like this, then she'll just, it's just learning material. It's just learning. So that's kind of how we approach it. So With me, I work with different DTs and different religions. So she sees me, she asks questions, I explain it to her. I do have her pray every night because prayer is a a form of cleansing your energy, no matter what kind it is. And her prayer that she does is kind of like a precious moments prayer, Mm -hmm. but it's not that. So it doesn't necessarily identify with any religion, but it's a prayer so that she can pray and talk to God. She has a prayer box because I'm teaching her like... Prayer is, is, is what you want, right? It's your intentions. That's all it really is. So just teaching her how to create her reality through prayer and connecting to God when having that relationship and talking to God. And my daughter also has, she she's like a medium as well. She's been talking to like my mother and different past relatives and that kind of thing. Mm. And she sees orbs. So it's like being able to allow her to be herself and to explore these things without me labeling her as something or telling her, no, don't tell people about that because they'll look at you like this. So it's very open in the house. It's, as, as you may think, it's really super open. Yeah. And she reads her own Bible stories as well. She reads her book, Bible stories. And it's like, I don't know. It's kind of very loose, but at the same time respectful. When she asks questions, and I explain them to her, and at the same time with religion, I teach her a lot about social stuff too. We watch Glee together. Okay. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of religious stuff that comes up in there too, as far as and social stuff. So I'm very open, and I tell her the truth about yeah. different things, and, and just really teaching her to connect to her body, so she can get her own truth and understand that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love all of the freedom there cuz you're allowing her to learn who she is as opposed to yeah. using a religion to kind of assign you an identity. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I love that. yeah really like out the box we use that a lot and i'm like do you feel like you're in a box or do you feel that you're climbing out the box or looking at the box so that way she can understand resolving her own issues that she comes to because that's Mm -hmm. another thing when she has issues or problems i don't automatically like go in with a solution because i'm learning that in my own thing Mm -hmm. and i'm getting her to find her solution yeah and so that's how i feel i'm building more spiritual i don't know kind of like aura for her rather than something that she feels she has to be a mold to fit no there is no there's a mold there is a mold yeah
0: that's the other thing with religion and the way that we teach our kids even with like our school systems is we don't teach people kids to think for themselves we don't give them the tools to problem solve we kind of just like created the system that everyone is supposed to fit into and mm-hmm. we just kind of hurry them along and push them through the system and then they get out and that's why i feel like we have so many people that are 18 19 20 25 that just don't know how to adult they don't right. know how to think for themselves they don't know how to solve problems and there's so much dependency because we were never given the tools right everything yeah. was about fitting a standard or fitting an expectation which is for kids it's going to school and than going to college we're not set up for success in so many different ways so I love
1: that Yeah. yeah yeah And you're going to love this too. So I told her uh, she, she wanted to be like a lawyer and then own a dance studio. Mm-hmm. And then she wanted to be retired like grandma. That's what she wanted to do. And she says, but mom, I want to go to Harvard. She, she watches movies and this and that. I was like, you can go to whatever school you go to. She's like, you don't care if I go to college? I said, no, I want you to go to college. I said, but I don't care what you do in college. And she says, why? I said, I just want you to go for the experience. That's mm-hmm. it. So that you can look back and you had like this wild time. And, and that's how I see it. Like, like if you you get a career from it and it's something that you want to do, fine. I said, but baby, you don't actually got to go to college to do what you love and to make money at it. Mm-hmm. So opening her up and, and just wanting her to experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And that's such a testament to like your growth and your healing mm-hmm. as a parent. Because I feel like a lot yeah. of those expectations come from our own egos, right? Yes. Like children are a reflection of us. So their success is directly like related to how we parented. Yeah. And I think that can create so much resentment between um, a child and their parent. I was just talking about this with yeah. a friend of mine when just there are so many bitter mothers out there. I think there's a lot of mother-daughter and mother-son mm-hmm. issues because moms are kind of stuck with this identity of being moms and that's it. And they sort of lose themselves. It's like there's these societal expectations of women Mm -hmm. having to be mothers. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not doing that healing and you don't have that self-awareness, then it creates issues, to say the least.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I I totally know what you mean. It's funny. I was talking to my friend about this, too, because her kids are younger right now. She has a one-year-old and a two-year-old. And I said to her, don't worry about it. When they get about, like, seven, you're going to get a little bit of leeway. I said, but when they turn nine, all of a sudden, you're going to be like, I'm here again. Like, you're going to rediscover you again. Because Mm -hmm. they're not as dependent on you anymore. Because they've learned a lot of little things. And they're older now. Like, they can use the microwave. Little Mm -hmm. stuff. That just makes them more dependent on themselves rather than on you. And now you have this time. And you don't know what to do. So rather than make up reasons on why you have to be, like, like mother all the time and always in their face. Now you can go to the gym, you can go for a walk, they can go to grandma's or go to your friend's house and you can take that time and not feel so guilty. So that way, when they're growing, you both are growing together, rather you halting your growth until they turn 18. And all of a sudden you have all this growth to do and, and they still kind of need you a bit, but you're like, can you just go? I just spent the last 18 years mm-hmm. catering Is to you. Can resentment? you, yeah, can you please, I, I dealt with that with my brother a lot. Mm-hmm. I did. I was like, look, <laughs> <he's> 22. <laughs> I can't anymore. And that was learning that detachment and and knowing that it's okay for them to make mistakes, even if those mistakes are are pretty big ones. But mm-hmm. that's okay because that's a part of their journey and they need to learn that. It's not on you to tell them every single thing they need to do, what they need to eat, where they need to work, how to get there, what to do, blah, 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 blah. blah. No, let it go. You gotta let them let
0: figure it out. You
1: yeah. Only give
0: them the tools and obviously that has to, the earlier mm-hmm. that starts, the better.
1: Yeah, yeah, like and that's the thing too, like just researching. I'm always, she's always having my daughter research so that way she can find the solution, whether it mm-hmm. is how to take the bus Somewhere, like little stuff like that, where with my brother it was different because we were raised differently. Mm -hmm. All right. So I was the one who got all the craziness, and then he was the one who got like all the love. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, I know I'm not going to drive you to work every single day. There's the bus. So it's like, but it's different because now I kind of see what didn't happen with my brother. So now with my daughter, I'm just getting her to be really independent, but also to learn when to say I need help. Right. Yeah. I love that.
0: That's like the hindsight. I Mm -hmm. actually My brother is 11 years younger than I am. So Mm -hmm. similar dynamic where we got all the craziness. He has a different father too. So we got different moms. We had two different moms. Yes. Oh my, yes. Yes. And uh, (laughs) I did a lot of like helping to raise him when I was Mm -hmm. young. I was 11, 12. And as much as it kind of sucked in the moment, it's great experience and practice for raising your own kids, And so that's, again, though, kind of touching on the purpose of creating this platform is learning from others' mistakes or others' um, experiences. I think that is so, so important.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. And and then also, I love this. I was listening to uh, Lisa Nichols and she says, Yana, you are not alone. So having this platform too helps you to see you're not alone. There's people that have gone through similar experiences or are going through them. So it's like feeling like, okay, all right. It's it's not just me against the world. Yeah, yeah you're like, I'm not crazy. I'm not
0: mm-hmm. broken or toxic or, or whatever. Like there are so many people that are going through – something similar we're all just in our own journey
1: yeah 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 no i think and that's why like on my gram i try to be in, in my videos and stuff as honest as possible and give whatever examples are coming out and they're like say tell them this tell them that and i'm like oh, i don't really want to and i'm like just it's gonna help so i do and the only point of that is to let people know that you can get through it. Like you can overcome it. I and mean, that's why I'm very vocal about the different things that I've had to go through as far as mental disorders and this kind of thing, or, or what was diagnosed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, now I'm like it's misdiagnosed, but anyway, but, for the record, right. For the record. <laughs> but it's just like, it just wasn't balanced. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. grounded. You know, I'm an empath. Yes. Hey, like it was right? like a sickle chakra, Like. <laughs> right. Like I'm an empath. <laughs> I got to learn how to get rid of people's emotions. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. But it's good, like, because then people don't feel ashamed anymore. You know mm-hmm. that they had to go to therapy it's a like hush hush and it's like mm-hmm. no the more people that talk about this and to say like no I was in therapy for years and I actually I love my therapist like I love my pharmacist they still know me like even though I don't I don't get anything they're still like hey Denise how are you and I'm mm-hmm. like I'm great but it's like but just speaking this and not making it taking it out of the shadow and putting it into the light just yes. help people to uh transmute guilt and and blame and, and shame just mm-hmm. by you sharing your real story not not the fakeness so that's why my grandma's so I might be crying in a video and yeah to show that it's life is real and I
0: love that so much like you you just when you share those things even me watching your stuff sometimes yeah without even connecting or communicating directly like you have such an impact when you share your story and other people see it and it does release some of that shame and guilt and you just you feel so much more normal and just human and accepted. You yes. Know? Yes. So I I love that, and I think that is so important. Like I I do look at your page, and I'm like, oh my god, okay. she's so amazing, and like oh. she's so spiritual. And I'm like, how does she get there? And like that's always my question. Like how did people get to that point? And I think mm-hmm. we need to see more of that. So I love that you share all that on your page, and I greatly appreciate you coming on and sharing all this because I I had no idea. And I think people's stories are just it's amazing to hear like what. You can go through what humans are capable of overcoming and you can totally change your life around. So
1: yes, you can. I think it's incredible. I can. So yeah,
0: I do want to know, do you have any advice for anyone going through a spiritual awakening or anyone kind of wondering how they can get there?
1: I would say my first advice would be to spend time in nature, Mm -hmm. all right, alone is to really, really be alone with yourself. Get a cabin and, and, and wake up when the sun rises and just sit and watch it. Make that space for yourself when you're going through spiritual awakening because a lot of times there's there's so much, especially on social media and from families and, and friends and all of this stuff that is like clouding you and heavy on you. And you really, you really just need some air. You just really need to breathe and and then you need to hear, to listen. And I feel like that's, that's the best part of just going out into nature and being one with everything, with the air, with the sky, with the trees, with the, with the birds, with the ants, with the dirt. You're really seeing um, the beauty in everything so that you can see the beauty within yourself. And when you go- get to that quiet place and you start to learn to, to breathe deep, so that would really be my second thing, is, is breathing. Just breathe. Breathe in really deeply and then hold it and then exhale and really master that because that will always take you back home. It'll always, always take you back home. And then everything that seems so crazy won't seem as crazy anymore. A solution will come and it will be easier to walk your path. It'll be easier too to let go of energies because you'll, you'll know that you're going to be okay and that you don't, you don't need all of this stuff in your life to be okay. You just need, you just need you, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was so perfect. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) I love that so much. Okay. And then I know that you and I have talked about like we've experienced drinking and different things to kind Mm -hmm. of numb. So what do you say as far as that? Like if you're going to go be in nature, do you think it's best to kind of leave all of that out of it?
1: I do. Now I still have, I still have my marijuana. All right. Mm -hmm. But it used to be something where it was like all day long to where now it may be once a month and it's like maybe three, three pulls on my pipe. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And, but that's also just being kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing too, pacing. It's okay. If like right now the easiest thing for you to go away with a bottle of wine and a bag full of junk to eat sweets do it Mm -hmm. do it because the most important thing is that you're taking time for yourself that's what you focus on and then as you take more and more time with that and with yourself you'll realize that you may bring one bottle of wine instead of two and then the next time you go spend time with yourself or even just in your apartment, then you get a smaller bottle of wine. And then it decreases and decreases. So the more love you start showing yourself, the more easy it is to to move back because you awaken. And you start to see, well, I don't feel my best after drinking a bottle of wine. but. I feel okay after drinking a glass of wine. Now your glass, my glass is a mason cup. This is not wine, <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is a cup, okay. But it's like okay, now I'm okay with doing half of that, or I'm okay with doing just a little bit. But it's it's all pacing, so it's like show yourself compassion and and be okay with where you are. Don't be expected to if right now you're drinking a glass of wine every night and you're you're doing your eating or whatever. Those are my things. So using those examples or if you're doing hitting a blunt to the face every night like don't expect to go in nature and not want to hit the blunt to the face go Mm -hmm. in nature hit the blunt to the face but then next time maybe have the blunt for the whole day instead of just one to the face and then in the afternoon and then the evening and then you go smoke again you know what i mean right but the more you breathe you are going to find that you don't even want the whole thing and yeah. you're going to find the strength you need to just put it down because you're going to feel so at peace with yourself that you're going to know that you don't need that to feel yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. a lot of times that's what it is, is that we feel free when we're intoxicated, right? You feel like you can be yourself you feel like your real self comes out because all of the, the fears kind of go away.
0: All of the noise
1: is gone hmm but the more you breathe that will take away the fears and then it'll be okay like I have I bought for Valentine's Day I bought a coconut Chardonnay bottle like like this all right it's still in there and it's like more than halfway full because I only had a little bit on Valentine's Day for myself and that was like my Valentine's Day gift with cake and what else oh I bought myself flowers and that's what I did But it was like, I didn't need to have the whole thing. And it's still in my refrigerator. And that's the other thing too. I used to have to like go throw stuff out, like, like take a slice of cake, throw the rest of it out. But now it's like, yeah, but now it's like having the willpower to be like, okay, I can take a slice and then have the slice. But if I want to have another one, I'm going to have another one Mm -hmm. because I'm not doing it in a place where I'm trying to replace not facing something. I'm just experiencing and enjoying that. I'm not hiding from anything. Right. Yeah
0: yeah, so I had a similar relationship with food and mm-hmm. alcohol where I would binge eat. and it was the same thing. I cut out alcohol, I cut out drugs, I cut out sex. I cut out all the fun mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> and I was left with food. And food is one yes. of the most difficult things because you have to eat. Yes you have to eat. So <laughs> yes. you can very easily justify overdoing it before mm-hmm. you even, comprehend what's going on. And so that was that was one of my things. And going back to giving yourself that love and giving yourself that time. Once you start to do that, then later you'll realize like, oh my God, I don't even need to overeat anymore because I feel fulfilled. I've been searching outside of me for all these things to soothe or numb or validate. And now that I've been giving those things to myself, I'm capable of doing that to myself. And actually Matt posted a video and Mm -hmm. he was talking about loving someone else or being in a relationship. And you felt like they were showing you all of this love. And now that they're gone, the love is gone. But he's like, that person was just a mirror for you to see Mm -hmm. how capable you are of giving those things to yourself. And once you do subconsciously, that void will start to disappear and then you won't need those things. So.
1: I'm yeah. glad that you
0: you say that because I feel like there are so many people in these situations, myself included, still sometimes yeah. where you feel like, but I still want to drink or I still want to mm-hmm. indulge, but it's just, it yeah. can be a slippery slope. I'd never mm-hmm. wanted to just quit cold turkey because right. I feel like you can relapse so easily. You're not yeah. solving the problem at the root. And so right. to tell yourself, it's okay to have a piece of cake. It's okay to have a glass of wine and just showing your body love and appreciation.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it definitely I got to a point to where I, I didn't realize it. But I think unconsciously, I was becoming anorexic, because I was so restrictive with my diet. And it got to a point to where, like, I was fearing food, like really fearing food and, and then not realizing that that's what it was. And I had to really kind of come to terms with that and rebuild my relationship with food and being like, you know what, it's okay to have this, but What's not okay is to get to a point to where it drains your energy. So that's how I explain it to myself. Instead of saying, it's going to make you fat or you're going to be unhealthy, you're going to have all these diseases. No. Is it going to amplify your energy or is it going to drain your energy? And saying it like that helps me to have compassion for myself and then also to put it into uh, a truth and then make a conscious decision on that and then be okay with that. Not guilt myself into like, if I have a piece of cake, now I can't eat for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, it's okay, girl. Go eat lunch. Right. <laughs> you know, go, right. go, go eat lunch. It's yep. it's okay because I would do that too. Like if I went out or something, and I spent time, I would feel guilty for spending time on myself with like my friends and things because I wouldn't be meditating during that time hmm. Right. And then till the next day, I'm like, all right, meditating all day, you know, and it was like, no, 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 you don't guilt or shame yourself into doing this action because you think what you just did was wrong. Right. And no, it's it wasn't. It was you spending time and growing your relationships with your friends and your family, mm-hmm. which is also needed. So that's the other thing. Probably the third thing I would say about spiritual awakening is understanding that there there's three relationships you have to build the one with yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. which is the one with God, the one with your family, right? And then the one with whatever that that goal or that thing is, okay? Mm-hmm. Whatever that thing is that you want to create in the world through relationships. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then
0: that definitely kind of touches on like the scarcity mindset, right? And going back mm-hmm. to like, I'm, I want cake, so I'll eat a piece of cake and then I have mm-hmm. to throw it away and get it out of the house or yeah. the whole thing. And right. I had to do a lot of reading to figure out just different tips and things to help me understand like what this, where this was coming from. So right. it is a scarcity mindset, and it is yeah. this like deep-rooted fear of if I don't eat all of this cake right now, I'm not going to get, get more next time. Right?
1: I don't know what I'm going to It sounds, but it's true. It's
0: it is. True. That's like the subconscious thought. Yeah, that. It, and it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense, right? So once you realize that, and you're like. I can just go buy more food, <laughs> yeah. or I can just go get it to the refrigerator. You have to tell yourself if you want another piece of cake, like you said, it's fine. So I practice, like when I go to the store now, I just buy whatever. I, I'll yeah. buy cake, I'll buy cookies, I'll buy all kinds of shit, and I'll leave it in my house. And it's so yeah. scary at first because yeah. you're like, I'm going to eat all of this. But
1: everything is gonna be everything. gone.
0: <laughs> and like the first the first time or two, maybe I got close. Yes. And then it was like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't need to because there is now an abundance of all of these things that I feel like I wasn't going to get before. Mm-hmm. We can get really deep into that because that goes into like childhood and
1: yes, na- you not know, growing Moons.
0: up poor and just all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I
1: thought, pan- I thought everybody had pancakes for dinner, I didn't know that was uh-huh. a- at least it's <laughs> because it was affordable. I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, but- the stuff you grow up with mm-hmm. becomes such a norm kind of going all the way back to just things that you block out as an adult that you don't remember. I have this conversation with a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and here's some more advice for spiritual awakenings. You realize as an adult you have these issues, right, whether they be like the binge eating or overindulgence or whatever it is. And a lot of my friends, I'll hear them say, but my childhood was great. My parents loved me. And I was like, <laughs> mm. maybe they loved you, but they fucked you up a little somehow along the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like there's things you you don't remember that exactly. you blocked out. Like exactly. A, let's, go into, let's go into meditation. Let's do some yes. hypnosis so you can get back there mm-hmm. and resolve that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And a, a big fear of, that I've heard from my friends is, they are afraid to go there. They're afraid to meditate mm-hmm. and remember all these things because they don't want to hate their parents.
1: Yeah. I, oh, my God. I knew you were going to say that. But that's where that compassion comes in. Like, I have talked about this before. When, when my mom passed and then after years, so this is like 10, 12 years later afterwards when I went to Matt's um, retreat, that afterward I actually saw her whole life. Like, I, I was in her shoes, like, her whole entire life. So all of the pain, the abuse, the trauma, like, everything that happened to her from when she was born all the way until she died. It's like I saw her life review. And in doing that, it enabled me to do that with other people. So that's how I'm able to have compassion because now I just lived your life. I just felt your pain. Like, when you got raped, I got raped. You know what I mean? And so it helps you to really understand that they were damaged too. Mm -hmm. So then you don't end up hating them anymore because you're like, this is what they had to get to and how they had to get through. And then they became your parent. Like they didn't just like come into the world and now they're your parent. No, they had to go through life. Yeah. Without the tools. Without the tools and also in a society where everything was so hidden, you couldn't talk about it. There were so many rapes and abuse and things like that went unreported because it was like so much shame on the family if anything like that came out. People with drug problems that were hidden, alcoholism that was hidden because it brought so much shame to the family. And that's what they went through. Not to talk about all the social and all that stuff too, on top of that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. So that brings me to my, my last question. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So how do you then practice compassion when you find it most difficult?
1: Let's see. When I find it the most difficult, I do a lot of different things. When I find it the most difficult, I need time to myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do. I need time to myself. And then I write it out. I'm heavy with the writing. So I write a letter to that person and everything, what it is that I wanna say to them. And then afterwards, I kind of, I go into meditation and I ask to be shown the truth, just to be shown the truth and I allow myself. because I may be, and that's the other thing, like you may be scared to see someone else's truth Mm -hmm. because now Mm -hmm. you can't be mad at them anymore because now you see why they did what they did and why they are the way they are. So it happens with that too, with not just parents, but being able to let everything I gotta say All of that fear, all of that anger, all that disappointment, abandonment, whatever, come out on paper, you burn it, you go into meditation, you clear that so you open space so that you can receive the higher perspective. Help me to understand this. Help me to see. And then you also see the lesson that you were supposed to get from it as well. What was the, like what Matt said, what was it in that person, in that experience that was reflecting back to you that you have to look at? Yeah. Yeah. The mirror. Time to take the blindfold off. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a process. It's not something that I can just, if it's really a thing where I really have to forgive someone, it's not something that I can just do in a day. For some people, they might be there spiritually where they can do it in a day. But for me, it definitely is a process because I have to let myself feel. I have an issue with letting myself feel pain and Mm -hmm. sadness because I have come from such a very dark place with depression and stuff so i get afraid to go back there and i don't want to get back there because sometimes i'm like will i come out but that's also saying yes she will you're gonna come out of that space nothing can harm you in this space so yeah Mm-hmm.
0: beautiful well awesome. Janice, thank you so so much like that was amazing <laughs> yay um Good. And if there's anything else you want to share,
1: Buddha's <laughs> <laughs> coming in, he's like, be the change you wish to see in the world. Love that. I love that's that. That's it. That really is it. I mean, and thank you for that. I think that is great because it takes it back from you trying to be the change for someone else. Mm-hmm. You know? You're yep. you're doing you're doing this for you. And by you doing it for you, it will help to change other things around you. Cause your vibration helps to change the people around you.
0: Yep. You and know? that's all we can do. That's the collective mm-hmm. healing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to Heal the Collective. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can help me out by grabbing your nearest device and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show grow. If you take a screenshot of your review and email it to me at tohealthecollective at gmail.com, I'll send you two of my favorite journal prompts. Feel free to also share this podcast with a friend that you think may find this useful. I will be launching episodes once a week, so make sure you follow me on Instagram at to heal the collective, so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and check out some of our other content. I would love to hear your feedback and thoughts on the show, as well as any topics you would like for me to cover on solo episodes. If you go to calendly.com/to heal the collective, you can book a time with me and we can hop on a call. I would love to connect and get to know you directly, and I look forward to hearing from you. Sending lots of love and until next time.